Hey, a warm welcome wherever you're watching from today, whatever congregation you're a part of, we're so glad that you're joining with us today. And wherever you're watching from in the country or the world, we're so excited that you are spending time with us today, either watching this live or watching it on Catch Up later on. We've got some exciting plans moving forward for our online congregation. So as we plan to begin to gather again in full strength in June, our children are gathering already, but we're looking to come back in full strength from June. We're also making incredible plans for our online congregation, which is going to be happening every Sunday. And uh, we're also building connect groups and we're building um, other things, other plans and strategies to make being a part of our online congregation exciting and a place where you can grow in your faith with the Lord and so we want to just uh, get you to contact us if you want to be a part of that at family.church we'd love to hear from you today I'm starting a new series called heavenly minded where we're going to begin to take some time to look at how the Bible teaches us concerning heavenly things. So we may spend two weeks, three weeks, I'm not quite sure yet, but we're going to focus our attention the next few weeks on this subject or this topic of being heavenly minded. Maybe you've heard this expression before referring to some people that you could meet. Oh, that person is so heavenly minded they're of no earthly use. And again, granted, sometimes you can meet people that are so heavenly minded, they don't seem to be of any earthly benefit. That's true. But equally, I believe that it's the other way round as well, that sometimes you have Christians that are walking around the earth with a zero consciousness of the life to come. And um, this, I believe, could be to their detriment in the life to come. You see, we need to have a healthy balance that God wants to use us on the earth right now. In this chapter of life that we're experiencing, he made us eternal when we were born again. But in many ways, we're walking through this first chapter called life here and now. But we need to have the expectation and the understanding that it doesn't end when we die. That's the good news. Because of the resurrection of Christ, we too, who have placed faith in him, will rise again to spend eternity forever and ever with him. Now, the truth is both are a reality. The life we know here is an important one. We need to be wise with how we spend our time, um, how we love our families, how we love people around us. We need to be of use to God here and now in this life. But also understand that there's an eternal life that's going to follow. This life is very temporal in comparison, meaning that it could be 70, 80, 90, 100 years or so. But then comes another chapter of life, which is truly everlasting. It's forever and ever and ever A life without end, where the Bible reveals to us that our bodies will be in full strength, our minds will be fully restored, every tear will be wiped away. So we need to understand that things that we do in this life, the temporal life that we know now, have an effect and have ramifications in the life that's going to follow, which is us in heaven. And this is a really healthy thing to having correct balance in our minds as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Number one, God has blessed us and given us a life to live here and now. But also there's a life beyond the grave for us where we spend forever and ever with the Lord. But the reality is there's ramifications and effects from the things that we choose to do here in the here and now to the life that we're going to know there, which we could call heaven or eternity with God. Now, what do I mean by this? Let's unpack this a little bit more. Simply that the things that we do or we don't do here on earth in this temporal chapter of living will have an effect on the experience that we have there, which is there being obviously being in heaven with him. I like the way that Russell Crowe puts this in the, in the film The Gladiator, if ever you watched the film The Gladiator. He makes this incredible statement that I believe should rock our world when we think of the significance and the reality of it. He says this statement in the film The Gladiator. Some of you are all probably already saying it in your living rooms. He says, what a man does in life 
echoes in eternity. We need to understand the reality of that as believers, followers of Jesus Christ. But what we choose to do in this life for God, for his kingdom, will have an echo that will be with us forever in that second chapter of eternal living, which is called eternity or heaven. When we think that way, it causes us to be wise, prudent in the way that we think, that we would be more heavenly minded than we've been before. Another way that I like to put this is that we live in the light of eternity. What do we mean by live in the light of eternity? That we live in the sure knowledge of a life to come. That we understand not just in theory, but in reality, that one thing is going to happen to us all, and that is we're going to die to this life that we know here. The when we don't know, the how we don't know, but the reality is we know that there will be a death to the life that we've known here, but also because of what Christ has done for us, there'll be a resurrection to a life with him that isn't limited by dates and times or anything where we'll be with him forever and ever. But what we do here in this life has an effect on the one to come. In some ways, it's like this life is a time of sowing, isn't it? It's a time of soil. It's a time of how we sow in this life, the temporal part that we know here and now, really brings rewards or harvest ramifications in the part that has no end, which is called eternity. I believe that when we think this way, there's key verses that we can gather around together. One key verse I believe that should be with us throughout this series and far beyond is Colossians 3 verses 1 to 2, where it says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Another translation says, set your hearts on heavenly things. Now, we've been raised in the here and now and the world that we live in to believe that everything we will ever know is about what we see and we feel and we experience here. Yet that's not so. The Bible says that as believers and followers of Jesus, those who have now received new birth through faith in Christ, we should now be setting our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand side of God. But then Paul goes on and says, in verse 2 and also set your minds on things above not on earthly things alone the sad thing is i believe that many christians followers of jesus are not heavenly minded they're not giving any thought to living in the light of eternity they're not investing their lives in the here and now the temporal that we know here to harvest great rewards experiences in the life that's to follow for us all. So we're going to invest some time over the next few weeks, not in any morbid way, but in an exciting way, to consider the relational ties between the life we live here, in this temporal, very physical, very sense-driven realm of living, to what's to follow the grave for each and every one of us in that place called heaven, and eternal living. Do we understand, as we should, the relational ties between the things we choose to do here and the things that we receive there because we chose to live for God in this life? It's a good subject, isn't it? Firstly, this week we want to look at the subject of heavenly rewards because heavenly rewards, you see, are a reality that were promised by Jesus. And the reality that every one of us are going to experience, not so much in this life, even though I believe that the Lord certainly rewards faithfulness in this life. He says anyone that's persecuted or experiences loss in this life for following him will certainly receive in this life a thousand, a hundred or a thousand fold, but also in the life to come with persecutions. But what I want to talk about is we understand in this life reward programs very well, don't we? And we understand in this temporal chapter that we're living that companies, hotels and all manner of other businesses offer to us things called reward programs. Now, I'm sure if you open your wallet or open your purse, I know as I open mine, 
There's different debit cards, maybe credit cards, but there's also a fine collection of rewards cards. And that may be for coffee, that may be for travel, that may be for hotels, supermarkets, whether it's travel, coffee or supermarket and so many other experiences that we have in this temporal life. Everybody seems to be offering reward programs and reward cards. Now, the basic premise or expectation of having a reward card with someone, whether it be a coffee shop, your favorite coffee shop, your favorite coffee brand or a supermarket or, you know, I travel whenever I travel again internationally. I travel with one specific airline because they offer me a rewards program where they They give me rewards for my faithfulness. If I keep on traveling with them, they reward my faithfulness as a customer with certain benefits like being able to uh, board the plane early, etc., etc. Good benefits. But these are all in this category, uh, category called I'm a part of a rewards program. Now, the premise of a rewards program is basically later benefits for faithfulness now. Every one of them carry the same premise, that if you will be faithful as a customer to them now, they will reward you with faithfulness for your loyalty later. Now, that's a no-brainer. Whatever rewards program you're a part of, you say, yeah, I know that's how it works. That's why I'm a part of that rewards program. But do you know that there is also a rewards program in heaven for people's faithfulness for how they lived for Jesus and his kingdom here in the temporal that has divine rewards in the life to come. Did you know that? But it's not just an earthly thing, but rewards are a reality. But also the Bible, and we're going to look at some of these verses, the Bible teaches us that there's heavenly rewards for those that chose to be faithful to God and his kingdom in this chapter of life called the here and now. Another thing that I believe is really important for us to understand, and maybe we haven't taught on this enough, and maybe that's why we need to underline this afresh in this moment, especially where we're trying to get everybody on board to help us to come back strong as a church. That every one of us, I'm talking to you as a believer, not as an unbeliever, I'm talking to you as a believer, every one of us will be judged and rewarded for the things that we did in this life and also the things that we didn't do. You say, whoa, wait a moment, everything got real sober then. Yeah, it should. We should understand that reward programs are not just something that are earthly, but they're also according to what Paul taught and Christ himself taught, heavenly realities too. And we should be sobered in our thinking that one day we will give an account, every one of us, for the things that we did and the things that we didn't do. Not just big things like you planted a church, here's your reward, but also the little things also. The constant acts of faithfulness and loyalty to the Lord here on earth, small and large, I believe will be rewarded in the life to come, which we could call heaven. Now, I'm not talking about, when I mention judgment, I'm not talking about the judgment that's relating to where you spend eternity this judgment known often as the big white throne. Why is it called the big white throne? Because the Bible says in Revelations 20 that we will stand before a big white throne. Now, this judgment is really for the non-believer because if you've placed your faith in Christ, you were judged in him already. The punishment received from the big white throne does not belong to the believer because he was punished on our behalf. We understand that he was our exchange. He was our sacrifice. He was our substitute. So that when we come before the big white throne, we understand that the Bible says that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And because our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, which is because we placed faith in Jesus Christ, not because of anything else, we will be able to not come before the big white throne and receive a judgment pertaining to heaven or hell because we've already been judged and punished in Christ so our position of where we spend eternity is settled in what we believe or should I say who we've believed in but we need to understand that the Bible speaks of another judgment 
It speaks of a number of judgments. Two of them are the ones that I want to focus on today. Not in a way that makes you feel bad, but in a way that inspires you to live for God more than you've ever lived for him in this life called the here and now. So let's look at these two judgments. Again, the big white throne judgment, which is pertaining where a person will spend eternity. Listen, heaven and hell are real. The flames of hell are still burning, even if people don't preach on them like they used to. Heaven and hell are real. It's given to a person once to die and then judgment. Depending on whether they rejected Christ or received Christ will determine where they spend eternity. That's not a few years, a few decades. That's forever. That's what we would term the big white throne. And again, if you want to look into that more, Revelations 20 verses 11 to 14. It's in this moment where it says that books are opened and specifically a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if a person's name is blotted out because all man was intended to be in it, we were blotted out through the fall of Adam and Eve, becoming sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. We were removed from it. But the Bible says that the moment we place faith in Christ, our name becomes unblotted from the Lamb's Book of Life. And before the big white throne, this book will be opened. And it's a great thing to study. And in this book, if your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will be taken from the presence of God and will experience a place called hell which is tormented it's dark it's never ending it's um it's foolishness to say well i'm going to go and meet my friends there and have a good time that's just ridiculous i believe that some people just don't need a revelation of the heaven that awaits us but also the hell that he's delivered us from because the bible gives us certain images of hell where it's a place of complete darkness so it doesn't matter who else is there you won't even see them it's a place of torment a place of pain and it's a place of hopelessness in this life we have hope there there will be none it will be that way for all time for a person that enters eternal hell but the good news for those who have placed faith in christ you will be a citizen of heaven there because you're a citizen of heaven here because of your faith in him so these lamb this book the lamb's book of life will talk about a punishment based reward did you receive christ did you place faith in christ mile you lived here you see, the moment you die, you can't suddenly choose Christ. We know that in the analogy of Lazarus and the rich man that Jesus spoke of in the Gospels. But once a person breathes their last breath, whether they chose to pick Christ or reject him will determine where they spend forever. Now, I want to encourage you today. If you've never given your life to Jesus, don't wait another second. Call him Saviour. Call him Lord. Receive for salvation that he offers you and the assurance of everlasting life with him in the life to come. So that's the big white throne judgment. But the Bible also speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this isn't a judgment seat that's punishment based. It's actually rewards based. Isn't that exciting? When we talk about the big white throne, it really is punishment based for those who haven't placed faith in Christ. But when we speak about the judgment seat of Christ that's mentioned in 2 Corinthians, it's not about punishment. It's about reward. That the Bible reveals that when we get to heaven, there's going to be rewards for how we lived for God or didn't live for him here in the temporal, the here and now that we call home. Let me read you some well-known verses. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, uh, chapters, uh, verses 9 to 10. It says, so we make it our goal to please him. Come on, that should be the statement of every believer. But we now make it our goal to please him. Before we knew him, when we served ourselves, when we were separated from God, we made it our goal to serve ourselves, to make sure we had what we need, that we were taken care of. But the Bible says that now we belong to him. We make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, here or there. We don't just live to please him in heaven. The Bible says we live to please him when we're at home in our body, which means in the temporal chapter of living, which is the here and now. Now, here's the verse I really want you to take seriously. <clears throat> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't the big white throne mentioned in Revelation 20. Remember, you've been punished, you've been judged in him. This is a throne that's about God personally rewarding you and giving you rewards for the life you chose to live for him. Let me read on again from verse 10. For we must all, not some, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while we were at home in the body. Listen, whether good or bad, whether some or none. Now, again, this isn't a a punishment based reward or judgment. It's Jesus settling accounts with those who belong to him for how they lived out their life on the earth before coming to their true home, which was eternity in heaven with him. I like the way that the Passion Translation puts this. For one day, we will all be openly uh, uh, revealed before Christ on his throne so that each of us will duly be duly recompensed for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. Isn't it interesting that Jesus teaches that whatever we do, any charitable deed, prayer, fasting, should be done in private or secret, but when done in private or secret, secret will be rewarded in opening in an open platform now this is one of the verses i believe that's alluding to that that how we choose to live not as hypocrites or pharisees to be seen by men here on earth to serve god and his kingdom here on earth will be rewarded jesus will reward people for how they lived out their life on the earth isn't that motivating see the judgment See, is a, uh, the judgment of Christ is, is a reward-based um, judgment, not like the former one, the big white throne, which is a punishment-based. Now, the lives that we live here will determine the rewards we receive there. Let that motivate you today. That motivates me. But I'm not doing anything to get. I'm doing things because he's my saviour and he's my Lord. If he never did another thing for me, I'd serve him all of my days with all of my ways. But the reality is that may be a wonderful way to see things. But the Bible declares that when you spend your life serving him, his kingdom, people and what he loves, you will receive rewards in heaven for how you lived out your life here on earth. Now, again, this isn't pertaining to our salvation. I'm not talking to you about works today. If you work hard for him, you'll go to heaven. Now, that's ridiculous. That's to remove grace and righteousness by faith. I'm not talking about doing things on earth to earn your salvation. Please don't even think that for a second. I'm not saying that what you do on earth determines where you spend eternity. Where you spend eternity is determined by whether you placed faith in Christ as your saviour or not. Yet the Bible's revealing to us here that after we're saved, God is watching how we live our lives. Do we live for others or do we live for ourselves? Do we live for the comfort and benefit of others or are we just making sure we've got enough? Do we live for what matters to God or do we live for what matters to us? All of these things have a reward that's in heaven waiting for those who got it right. Again, people said, well, I'm not sure about this. Then why would Jesus teach about rewards if there were none? Why would Jesus, next week we're going to talk about heavenly treasure. Why would the Lord speak of heavenly rewards and heavenly treasure if there were none? Every word that he spoke carried power and reality. Let me read you some words what Jesus said about heavenly rewards that we read about in Matthew 16, verses 25 to 27. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. So if you want to live for yourself, you'll end up in heaven realising that you gain nothing. Let me say that again. Whoever wants to save their life, who lives to save their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life or gives their life away for me will find it. He's speaking of a relationship between heaven and earth, the reality of our presence here and now, and also the realities of what we will experience in that which is to come, which is heaven with him. And then comes this great statement. This this is filled with great statements. Verse 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. Now that's in regard to salvation. What Jesus is saying is what good is it 
for you to have everything that's going here, but at the end of time, stand before the white throne of judgment and receive uh, the awakening call that you have nothing. But also this is relative to us when we think of a judgment seat of Christ. It says, what good is it if you benefit everything for the life that you have here, which is temporal, but you end up in heaven one day bankrupt with nothing there for the life that you lived in the here and now. Then it says in verse 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Remember what we preached a while ago. I know that my Redeemer lives and I know with my eyes I will see him stand upon this earth. For the Son of Man is going to come. This isn't a fairy tale. In his Father's glory with his angels. Now listen. And then he will reward each person according to what? they have done again this isn't a punishment based reward that's based in whether you chose him or rejected him this is jesus saying to the person that chose to live for him the person that chose to serve when they were on the earth the the person that that chose to serve and give because they knew that they were a citizen of his kingdom here on earth it says that jesus will reward that person now again i've heard different people say this well i've heard I've heard that everybody gets the same. It's kind of socialist mentality that it doesn't really matter. Everyone gets the same. I believe that Jesus is disagreeing with this, even in what he taught in the parable of the talents. He's saying our salvation is the same. Whether we go to heaven or hell is the same reality for every person, but not the rewards that a person will experience in eternity. Those things are based on how you chose to live your life who you chose to live your life for here on earth bit of a wake-up call right that there will be a marked difference in regard to rewards between a person who gave and served when they lived and the person who sat there choosing to do nothing i believe that again hal will have levels of rewards which are punishment based I heard it said once before, and I believe this is very true, that there will be levels of torment and punishment in hell waiting for those who go there. I heard it said this way, that there's no way that a person that lived a good life but rejected Christ will be on the same level as a person that killed six million Jews. That there's a, there's a punishment reward for Hitler, I believe, in levels of hell that we need to understand will be a reality But also in heaven, I believe that there will be levels of reward for those that chose to live full on for God or not for God at all. So what I'm saying is just so that you're not confused. I believe that if a person's a Christian and they're like, hey, great, I've got my passport to heaven. I'm going to heaven, but I'm not going to serve anyone. I'm not going to give my money away. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to spend energy. Um, I'm just going to wait until Jesus collects me. That person will be surprised when they get to heaven and stand next to the person that said, you know what, I belong to Jesus now. I'm going to serve now. It doesn't matter where I serve. I'll serve in kids' church. I'll serve my neighbour. I'm going to live for the benefit of others. I'm going to live for the benefit of God in his kingdom here on earth. Remember, this doesn't determine where he goes, but it does determine the rewards that he will experience in the life to come. You see, I heard it put this way by Pastor Robert Morris. He said, it's a matter of belief and behaviour. When we think of the judgment seat, the big white throne and the judgment seat of Christ, which is about what a person will be rewarded for the life they lived. It's simply a matter of two words, belief and behavior. Your belief while on earth will position you. Believe on Jesus and you will be saved. So your belief on earth is what positions you in eternity, heaven or hell. Did you believe in Jesus or did you reject Jesus? But your behavior on earth, what and who you lived for when you were here, will determine the rewards that you receive there. Did I make that clear enough? Belief and behavior. Belief in Christ positions you in eternity. But your behavior, since you've believed here on earth, is what determines the rewards you can expect and the rewards you will experience. So the hard truth is some Christians need to face the fact that there are two thrones, 
that your belief here gets you to heaven because it's based solely on faith in him and not on our works. But your behavior, how you chose to live out your life on earth since you met him could leave you in a bankrupt state there. That's a bit of a shocking thought, isn't it? I don't know about you, that motivates me. Lord, I want to serve like I've never served. I want to, I want to give like I've never given. I, I want to live for your kingdom in the here and now more than I've ever lived for it before. Consider the thief on the cross. We all love the story of the thief on the cross. But the reality of the storyline of the thief of the cross is he placed belief in Jesus on the cross. But when he got to heaven, there was nothing of reward there waiting for him. It's brilliant that in his last moments, he passed from death to life, that he went from being hell, hell bound to heaven bound. Don't get me wrong. We're rejoicing in that. But the reality of a thief of a cross is he'll spend his time in heaven going, man, if I would have lived for God when I was on the earth, there would be rewards here for me now. But the fact is, I'm glad I'm here, but I'm here with nothing. Some may respond again. Where's that in the Bible, Andy? Sounds like works to me. Okay, let's look at another verse that makes it very, very clear that there's rewards awaiting those who live for God in this life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We were in 2 Corinthians before. Now we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. By the grace that God has given me, this is Paul speaking, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Paul's speaking about your life, not just about building the church. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's speaking of our salvation. The foundation of what we will be in eternity is Christ-based. No other person can lay a foundation or your salvation than he that already laid it, which is Christ. But let's read on. If anyone builds on this foundation, being saved, which is the produce of believing on him, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay or straw, it will be, it's, their work will be shown for what it is. Isn't that amazing? That one day we're going to stand in heaven and entering heaven is based upon whether we made Christ our foundation. But the Bible says that what we chose to build with in this life, either gold or silver, wood or hay, it says that in heaven, not before the white throne, but before the judgment seat of Christ, our work or how we lived here will be seen for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, not hellfire, refining fire that leaves us in possession of what was our true agenda. And it says, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Again, what's this speaking of? This is speaking of our appearance, not before the big white throne, because if Christ is our foundation, the only cornerstone that can be laid, we've bypassed the white throne because our judgment and punishment was carried out by him. This is about what happens to you and me when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the words that we spoke and the lives that we lived here and now. And we receive the rewards from him or no rewards from him. It talks about what we build on the foundation of our salvation. Beautiful, we're saved, but that's a matter of belief. I'm talking about behaviour. How we've behaved on earth since we've been saved determines whether we built with hay and straw or gold and silver. If we built with hay and straw, it will be burnt away. Nothing will remain. But if we built with gold and silver and costly gems, the fire will pass over the life that we lived and what we lived with correct motive and we lived for God and others will remain and our rewards will be given us according to what remains. That's how you unpack First Corinthians chapter 3. Now, when we talk about hay and straw, that so represents temporal, doesn't it? That hay and straw comes and goes. It's seasonal. It's here. It's gone. It's got no longevity to it. 
But when we speak about gold and silver, those are things that remain. There's longevity. They're two different substances. Hay and straw is temporal. It's momentary and it doesn't remain. Yet gold and silver, they remain. They go through fire. They're eternal in their substance. What the Bible's saying is that those that just lived for themselves, temporal things, would have had a good life here, will be present with him there, but will have nothing to show for the lives that they've lived. Yet those who chose to live for the things of God, for others, for things that mattered, in obedience to Christ, won't just have salvation, but they'll also have rewards given them by, the Bible says, Christ himself will give these rewards to the believer that lived for him on this earth. So that means you can be a Christian, sit in the armchair, never tithe, never serve, never get involved on a church team. You can, you will go to heaven, but you'll be bankrupt when you get there. I don't want anyone in family church to be walking around broken heaven. I want you to be walking up saying, Andy, thank you for making me get on team. Thank you for providing opportunities for me to serve God on earth because now I'm living in the rewards of how I served there, here. And this bit lasts forever. You see, it reveals the judgment of how we lived. Again, two words, belief and behaviour. This moment is judging our behaviour, not our belief. Interesting statement at the end there, that a person that believed in Christ but lived for themselves will get to heaven, but as someone that's passed through flames. Let me read you that again from the Passion Translation. Verse 14. If his work stands the test of fire, whether he built with silver or gold or hay and stubble or hay and straw, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by fire, he will, that person will suffer great loss, yet he himself will escape or barely escape destruction like one being rescued out of a burning house. Now let's just get the visual of this for a moment. Imagine that you'd spent your whole life building a house. Everything that you were in, you owned was in that house. Everything that you'd spent your life working for was in that house. And suddenly there was a house fire and everything was burnt down except the foundation. And at the end of the day, the next morning, you were standing on the foundation and you were glad that the foundation was not destroyed. But suddenly you're standing there bankrupt with nothing to show for the life that you'd lived or what you'd spent your life doing, earning and achieving. Suddenly everything you'd spent your life on was burnt down, but you still had a strong foundation to stand upon. That's the picture that's being painted here by Paul for a person that wants to be a lazy Christian in this life. You will get to heaven, but like the thief on the cross, don't have any expectation for rewards for things that were just about you living your life for your own comfort, your own benefit, for not serving others. Again, you will be there but I don't want people just to be there I want to stand in heaven and see rewards for the life that I lived I don't want to see what I spent my life living for burnt down in a moment like fire smoldering hay in the corner but also I want everyone that follows the sound of family church to be setting their lives up in the life to come for heavenly rewards okay because You live well in the here and now. You're taken care of. You're prospering. There seems to be great reward for the life you're living in the temporal of now. That doesn't mean that you're going to live with great reward in the one to come. You see, we need to remove what I call the fat angel theory of heaven. That it's almost like this cartoon reality. That one day when we die and we go to heaven, we all kind of transcend or we all turn into a fat angel we get a harp we've got a private cloud and we buzz around the universe playing nice songs on a harp like fat cherubs it's rubbish it's rubbish i believe that heaven will be shockingly more accurate to this life than that now this upsets people that don't want to work i get this but you will work there the difference is you'll love what you do 
And I believe that how we live for God in this life will determine the things that we do there. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't about where we spend eternity, but it's how we spend the next chapter of life called eternity, what we do. I really believe that you're going to find people that were faithful cleaners of toilets in churches, ruling and reigning over cities. Why? Because they did with faithfulness the things that they were asked to do. And now, because of God's heavenly reward program, they're getting the benefits they were promised for the faithfulness that they gave. We need to understand that in heaven there'll be cities that will be ruled over. We won't just be in one little corridor singing worship songs. We'll be working, we'll be ruling and reigning, we'll be experiencing a level of life far superior to the one that we knew here. But also how we lived here will determine, I believe, my personal belief, the what we get given. Now remember in the book of Revelations it says to he who overcomes it will be given. So the Bible speaks that there are rewards for people that overcome. There's rewards for people that live not for themselves in this life, but for others and for God's kingdom. There's rewards. And I want you to be excited about those rewards. I want you to live out your life like Russell Crowe said so well in the Gladiator film, that what a man does in life is echo in an eternity. I want the echo of eternity to have rewards connected to it for me and for you. But that's determined not by mental ascent, by what we choose to do, who we choose to live for, how we choose to live in this life determines what happens in the next. So we need to remove the fat angel harp thinking and get a little bit more real in our understanding. You see, many people say, oh, when I get to heaven, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, that's simple, but you have to be good, you have to be faithful and you have to serve because God's not going to give that as a token excuse or a token statement to someone that's kidding themselves. If you want to hear the words, and I want to hear these words more than any other words for the life I've lived on this earth, well done, good and faithful servant. It means that I've got to determine now that I'm going to live good, I'm going to live faithful, and I'm going to serve. God's not going to kind of say it to make you feel good in heaven. He doesn't kind of work that way. But the good news is when we understand the relationship between the life we live here and what we will experience in the life to come, suddenly we can get excited and passionate excited and passionate about this relationship between these two realms the here and now and the one that is yet to be so again we consider Lazarus and the rich man Luke 16 verse 19 it speaks that everything changed in that moment of death but in this conversation happening between Lazarus the rich man and God God says to the rich man in the life that you knew the temporary life you had everything you lived well you wanted for nothing And Lazarus was a beggar at the door. But in this realm of life that you've now just stepped into, which is eternal, everything's going to change. You're going to be the one that's in lack and he's going to be the one that's in plenty. We've got to begin to get serious about heaven. Number one, that we're going and we're taking as many with us as we can. But number two, there's a couple of options that are your choice today. Option one. You can die and go to heaven. That's a great option. Option two, you can die and go to heaven and receive rewards from him from the life you chose to live for him while you were on the earth. Which option do you want? See, option one's great. It's like the thief on the cross. You believed in him and because of your belief, your position is certain you'll be in heaven. But I don't know. I'm more excited about option two. But I'll be in heaven But also when I'm in heaven, I'll suddenly see the Lord give me rewards for the sacrifices and the serving and the faithfulness when I lived for him, not myself, on this earth. These two options are available to everyone that's watching today. And no one can make you choose, just like no one can make you choose, Jesus. No one can make you choose whether you're going to live for God and for others on this earth or you're going to live for yourself. You see, getting there is a matter of faith, but receiving heavenly rewards is a matter of serving and being faithful. Every reward card, every reward card that you know in this life is built on the premise of rewarding your faithfulness. Heavenly rewards are built also on the premise that God is going to reward those who were faithful to him and his purposes while they lived on this earth. So the best thing that we can do, right? when we consider these things is gladly commit our life to serving him and his purposes 
more than we ever have before. Again, I believe that's a person that's living in the light of eternity. They're making sure that their life is investment based, that they're not going to spend their life on themselves here to receive nothing there, but rather they're doing their very best to live for God and his purposes here, knowing that what a man does in life echoes in eternity. They're living in the light of the life to come, not the one they just presently know. Got some good news for you today. Your church provides many different opportunities for you to be able to get heavenly rewards. You say, now you're being cheeky, cheeky, Pastor Andy. Absolutely, I won't miss this moment to give this a plug. As we're coming out of lockdown, we need all hands on deck. Yet we visit or experience often two mentalities. We see the mentality of a person that says, yeah, let me get on team, let me serve, give me something to do. Uh, One, because it needs to be done for God here. But number two, in my doing, I'm setting up rewards in the life to come. But then you get the the mindset of another person. What are you putting this burden on for me? That's inconvenient. Don't you know I work all week? There's two different mindsets that can follow a person because there's a misunderstanding between belief and behavior. I want to encourage you today, if you've never served on a team in Family Church, get on a team real quick. I actually think you should be thanking, this is really cheeky, I actually think you should be thanking your pastors for giving you an opportunity to serve in church because they're actually giving you an opportunity. All the pastors are cheering in their living rooms right now. The pastors are dancing around saying, preach it, Andy. But this is true. Sometimes our understanding or our mentality concerning this is warped. It's almost like the pastor asks you to do something. He asks you to serve alongside him. He asks you to help get a team off the ground or make a team strong as we're coming into a new season coming out of COVID and you're like, Bit of an obligation, Pastor. Bit cheeky, you asking me. That interferes with my Sunday. Oh, I'm not sure if I've got the time to spend on that. I'm polishing my car. Remember, what the pastor's actually doing is offering you an opportunity to get rewards in heaven from the things that you do now. It's all a matter of perspective. Like I said, my heart is that not only would everyone that follows the sound of family church go to heaven, but they would experience great rewards when they get there. You know, I want to be walking around heaven going to people, no, it's all right, no, no, don't thank me. Look at all the rewards you've got. Look, I know I made you serve on Kids Church. It's all right. No, 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 don't thank me, don't thank me. Come on, this is a reality. Let's come out of this season called uh, COVID, not consumers in the way that we think, not just living one day I'm going to go and die and go to heaven, but rather I'm going to live my life now in such a way that one, the kingdom of God advances like it can and it should, But also because I'm living in the light of eternity, I know that there's rewards in the life to come from the things I chose to do here, how I chose to serve here, how I chose to live out my life. I think we should actually be inspiring each other when it comes to rewards. I get inspired. I really do. I get challenged as well. I said to someone the other day, I said said to someone the other day, I'm watching that Pastor Stewart. I'm watching him. That guy, I've got this thought, when, I, when we get to heaven, that guy's going to have more rewards than me and I need to do something about that. Because if you watch the life of Pastor Stewart or Jeff or Steve or any of our pastors, so many of our great team leaders, they just give, they give, they give, they give, they serve, they take care of people, they love loving people. And often I'm stumbling over things that Pastor Stewart did for someone that no one knew about, not even me. And I sit and I think, He's going to get another reward. He's going to get another reward in heaven. That doesn't make me bitter. It makes me inspired. No, I'm going to start serving more. I'm not going to let Pastor Stuart and Jeff and Steve and all the team leaders get all the rewards and me sitting there going, oh, I could have done more. No way. I'm going to be opportunistic with this. I'm glad that those guys are setting themselves up for rewards, but they're going to inspire me now. I'm going to serve harder. I'm going to give harder. I'm going to love more. I'm going to forgive more. In the big things and in the little things, I'm going to live for God more full on than I've ever lived for him. Why? One, he deserves it. Two, because he's given me eternal life through my faith in him. But number three, the Bible reveals through the teachings of Paul and Christ himself that there awaits rewards for those who built with silver and gold in this life. And there there remains a bankruptcy or an absence of reward for those that just chose to live for temporal things like hay and straw.
I want to call you to be more investment minded regarding your eternity than you've ever been before. Why? Because I want every one of us to not just get to heaven, which is based in our faith in Christ, but to understand when we get there that we're receiving rewards for the sacrificial and faithful things that we chose to do here. What's the application to this? If you're not a Christian today, I'm going to pray with you and you're going to pray a simple prayer that will give you a confidence and assurance that when you stand before the big white throne, you'll pass into life and not death, heaven and not hell. But to the believer that's watching this, what's my challenge for you? What's my application? Get busy. If you're a Christian that's already busy about the work of God's kingdom, get busier. No one put a lid on the amount of rewards that would be given. But if you're a Christian that's just been sitting there and you know honestly you've done nothing, you give nothing, you don't serve, you enjoy being a part of church, but it's very consumer in its mindset of what are you going to do for me? Change the way you think. Get on the team. Go to our website. Get signed up. Get busy. Why should we get busy with great urgency? Because I believe when I look at the world today that Jesus is coming soon. Let's not be in regret of, oh, Andy, why didn't you tell us this sooner? I've wasted so much. No, no, we don't live in regret. We live in inspiration. What are you going to do about it now? Get on a team. Go to family church. Beg the pastors. Beg the pastors for responsibility and for something to do. You say, I don't know, your offences and your cheekiness is offending me, Andy. You know it's true. You know it's true. What we spend our life on and who we spend our life on in this life will affect the experience we have in the one to come. Let me pray for you if you're watching today and you say, wow, the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not even going to make it past the big white throne. Let's pray a simple prayer. Remember, our belief determines where we spend eternity. Our behaviour determines the experience we have when we're there. All you need to do is believe in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, what you're saying is the punishment that was mine was carried by him. The judgment that was due me was done by him. I'm saved because of what he did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer and then I'm going to say amen. And at the end when you say amen, that's you saying, I own that prayer. Father, I thank you today that Jesus died on the cross. He died for us and he died as us. Our substitute. He took our place, the place that belonged to us. He pushed us aside and took it for us. Lord, I want to thank you that as we believe in you, Jesus, you become our saviour, our Lord, and your righteousness and your everlasting life become ours. Father, forgive us our sins. Forgive us for the things that were contrary to living for you. In my repentance right now, Lord, I turn away from what I was and what I was living for, and I turn towards you. Fill my life, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive my life you position me in new birth as a new creation and you fill me with your spirit. I give you my life. I surrender my life to you today. Amen. That's it. Just say amen. And as you say amen, heaven and earth know you've prayed that prayer. And today it's as if you've just been born again. See you next week for our next instalment of being heavenly minded. God bless.